This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by Ozark Institute, an initiative of OncoSpark, a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company, discussing your life as a medical coder, offering tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast. My name is Jennifer McNamara, and I am your host today. Our program is brought to you from Ozark Institute. Ozark Institute is an initiative of OncoSpark, a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company. And as always, you know, our goal is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as tips for work-life balance. Work-life balance is so important, isn't it? We hope everyone's doing okay out there, balancing work and home and just getting through the other side of this pandemic, hopefully. And we know there's been many challenges over the last few years, which is why we created this podcast. It was right in the height of the pandemic when we felt that we need to just talk about what we go through um, as individuals in the business of healthcare, the clinical side, anyone taking care of patients needs to have a way to kind of just listen to others in the industry and what we're all going through. And so that's what we try to do here at the podcast, the Life as a Coder podcast. And if you're just now finding us, we thank you for listening. We also want to thank our longtime listeners. But if you're just finding us, we encourage you to hit the subscribe button. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, our disclaimer is that this is not to be taken as legal or professional advice. It's based on our over 20 years of experience in this industry. And we just want to share what we've learned, the journey we've been on, um, the interviews that we have on this podcast of the journey of others as well in the industry. And we have a special treat today. We wanted to let you in on a little conversation I had with some very special ladies who are heavily involved in healthcare advocacy, patient advocacy. Um, and we wanna to talk to them um, and we wanted to have this conversation. So I hope you enjoy the conversation that you're about to hear with my special guests, Elizabeth Johnson and Melissa Page. So I'll give you a little bit of insight into these ladies. Elizabeth Johnson currently is the Chief Executive Officer for Medico CX, which is a group of independent specialists unified by patient-centric access to biologics in a timely and cost-effective manner. She is also the co-founder and president of NAMAPA, the National Association of Medication Access and Patient Advocacy. Her efforts have resulted in millions of dollars of unrecognized revenue for medical practices across the United States while maintaining the patient, giving them access to treatment and that being their highest priority. And Melissa Page, who is recognized as an expert in patient access programs and navigation. She is an excellent public speaker and educator. Her leadership skills that she has 
helping to coordinate process improvement projects that really enhance the business models and help to redesign workflows for improved efficiencies. She has a true passion for patients uh, that really drives her expertise and her involvement in this healthcare advocacy programs that we're about to talk about. We hope that the conversation that you're about to hear with Melissa and Elizabeth inspires you to also be a patient advocate and a healthcare advocate. So stay tuned for my conversation with Melissa and Elizabeth. The barriers for practices and patients due to prior authorizations are a clinical and clerical issue. I want to thank OncoSpark for designing a platform that streamlines and standardizes the authorization process. This optimizes staff and resources while decreasing the time a patient must wait. The platform will seamlessly integrate with your practice management system and electronic medical record, alerting you to expiring authorizations or order changes. Off-parency's reports can be used for internal development as well as payer and pharma accountability. Direct insurance verification and specialty pharmacy hub enrollment are standard modules in the platform too. So jump on over to authparency.com. That's www.authparency.com and get started today with this amazing tool. Well, as mentioned, I have some fabulous ladies here today for you guys to talk about some much needed information that we have to know in healthcare, um, access to healthcare. But I wanted to get to know these ladies a little bit better. So I have Elizabeth Johnson and Melissa Page, uh, two awesome ladies. So welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you for coming on today. Thank, Thank you. you. So uh, I am just excited to talk about your history in healthcare. And then we're gonna get into this fabulous event called the Healthcare Advocacy Summit. Advocate Summit, let me say that right. And we'll get into talking about that. But first of all, Elizabeth, uh, we've come to know each other uh, through mutual parties, but how long have you been in healthcare, first of all? So I've been in healthcare uh, 12-ish years now. Um, I'm a nurse by trade. Uh, so went to nursing school first, decided uh, to work in the hospital for a little bit, realized that wasn't for me. Uh, found a job posting on Craigslist for an allergy office and was like, oh yeah, I can do runny noses and, you know, asthma, fine. Um, ended up working at an allergist office and absolutely fell in love with it because it's so different. Every patient had their own unique, you know, allergy, this problem, that problem. Um, and that's how I got led into the biologics or specialty medications. So at, I've been doing that for, gosh, probably 10 years straight now, um, focusing mostly on medication access. That is so great. You know, I love listening to the different parts of healthcare and how people get started and what they do, because we're all kind of interrelated. Like we don't know when we're going to cross paths with someone else in healthcare. And it's important for us to understand the role that everyone plays in healthcare. Now, Melissa, I'm so happy to have you on. Tell me about yourself. How long have you been in healthcare? So I actually had to calculate it out here, um, but <laughs> I've been in healthcare for 19 years. I am a licensed pharmacy technician and went from the journey of 
Walmart, McDonald's drive-through is what it felt like all the way to a pharmaceutical company in market access and patient services and everything in between then. So, um, you know, hospital, uh, I did mail order pharmacy, I did prior authorizations for a PBM. And so I think my goal has been since becoming a licensed pharmacy tech back when I was 18 is to really take the certificate and see what I could do with it. And so I was that job hopper, but kept elevating that experience um, versus just counting by fives for pills. So it's been a really exciting journey. I think there are no excuses on what at least I know a pharmacy technician can um, serve value in and where their skills are transferable. So I'm just excited to be here and to kind of bring that voice to the table. I'm glad you mentioned that because it kind of brought me back to me too, because there's this thought like in, in the coding world as a medical coder, like you could be just doing that all day long. And there was a time in my career where that is what I did all day long. And uh, then I got to like, you know, I just, I love all of it though. And I wanted to, and I wanted to also see how far my certificate take me. And then that ended up getting me into like now seven credentials and different things, but I feel like that's all I am. And I feel like there's so much more to healthcare, which is why I'm constantly evolving and seeing how I can adapt to the industry, whether it's with technology, getting into understanding the, the clinical side of things. And I'm so excited to talk to you ladies today about um, the challenges that we've seen, not, I mean, since the pandemic, we've seen a lot of challenges, obviously, but but before that, it's just, this has been an ongoing issue with patients having access to care. And this industry we're in is just so complex. <laughs> so before we talk about the summit, what are some of the challenges that you both have noticed in the industry that maybe have led up to needing a summit like this? Yeah. So it's kind of, this is fun for Melissa and I to do and talk about together because while we come from different back, backgrounds, I've been in private practice, Melissa's been on the hospital side. Um, the challenge, the challenges are the same, right? We face the same insurance companies. We face the same pharmacies and distributors and everything for our patients. And so it's really great to, to be able to scale from, Hey, I work with one doctor up to, I work with 500 in a health system. So, you know, COVID aside, right. And I think we've all kind of beat that topic as much as we possibly can. Um, same with supply chain issues. Like that's just going to be our problem for a while. But I think patients having to adapt to telemedicine, patients having to adapt to answering phones, 1-800 numbers they've never seen, or be proactive in their care, looking on the web for copay cards or reaching out to foundations. I think it's brought in this new era of patient advocacy for themselves. And so how can we maximize time with patients to where they get the information they need, they feel supported, they don't feel like, oh, it's all on me now, but they also have this sense of responsibility for their care. Um, so it's this new delicate balance of empowering and educating um, that I think is kind of shifting in healthcare. And it's exciting, right? We get to be a little more proactive than reactive. Um, and I, I, I mean, I'm up for the challenge. Melissa, I, what do you see on your side? Well, I'm going to kind of take a layer back and talk about the people who are actually facilitating these solutions. So Liz, I think you really touched uh, base on that patient experience and absolutely, but I'm going to talk about the people who are doing this work to make sure that things happen. You know, you've got the prescribers and you've got the confidence of the prescribers writing those prescriptions or those treatments, but 
it really is like that access and reimbursement realm to it. And depending if you're for a nonprofit hospital or if you're for a private pack practice, they have very different things that is motivating them and that they follow through and can see those things. So I think with my, what I have seen is there's not enough bodies that is dedicated to this role that has the opportunity to understand all the roles, the, the wonderful roles of key account managers of, you know, prior authorization specialist and all these, these roles that made my life easier uh, while working at a health system. And, you know, I, I joke that all these people come in and they get, were dressed all the same. And I didn't know who could talk HIPAA with me. I didn't know that there's actually people on the other side that are partnered up and who have an in with all these specialty pharmacies I was working with, or even the payers, like people were dedicated to payers. And I was in a health system that it was so hard to talk to anybody. And, you know, what I've seen is just justifying this role. How do you scale your team to help as many patients? And I got told at one time when I wanted to bring in like a technology solution is, you know, well, you guys are doing it well. And we were, we were our own um, barrier because we had such an efficient Band-Aid process that it was dying us out every week, but all they saw was continued results, but they couldn't see past like what we could scale those results to. And depending on the stakeholder that you're working with is they wanna see ROI in this, you know, is it the therapeutic area? Is it, you know, the DRG write-offs? Is it, you know, what is that? And so as a pharmacy technician, I quickly learned like it, you can't just complain. It's the data that shows for it and just being able to track. And, you know, it took me like 10 years on an initiative of millions of dollars that we were writing off in one infusion site that we could bring forward. And also I was alone. I didn't have anybody to piggyback off of. I didn't know about LinkedIn and networking and how valuable that is. And so, you know, everyone's like, oh, great, Melissa, you're having all these wonderful ideas. Yeah, it sounds great. But nobody was there to challenge me. And nobody was there to tell me that there was a better way to do these things. And so that's why I think partnering up and just knowing everybody is coming to the table with similar experiences and let's not do like duplicate or re circumvent the wheel. Like let's come together and just know like at the end, it is, it is the patient. And so the barriers that I've seen is being able to help execute a lot of these initiatives. And if there's not tangible dollars behind it, there's not a lot of support. And at the end of the day, I just, I want to do the right thing for the patient. And that's all I've wanted. And it's just trying to craft and to advocate and to justify what that is and how to speak to leadership, how to be confident, because nobody knows what we know. Nobody knows the coding behind it. So, um, but I'll go ahead and turn it back over. Yeah, I was going to say nobody challenged you till you met me. And now I'd challenge you on a regular basis. But that's that's what we need in this space of healthcare. We could do a whole podcast on that, but that's not on this show right now. So absolutely <laughs> find the people who challenge you and keep them there because they'll sharpen your saw. <laughs> absolutely. I'm constantly in challenge every day. And as you know, uh, you know some of the team I work with at OncoSpark, and it's a constant challenge. Like, okay, let's try this, or let's try this, and let's let's not do this. Let's do this instead. And so it's just like it's constant movement, which I love because in my job and the hospital, when I was coding every day, I was feeling fulfilled to a certain extent, but I wasn't actually feeling challenged. And I wanted to be more challenged because it was taking me like I was super quick at coding at that point, and like 
I was accurate and I was doing my job, but I didn't feel like I, I felt like there's more to it. And then when the pandemic hit, I had this opportunity to kind of move out of that space into more education, which is what I love. I, I realized I love teaching. So it became my passion. And then I met some other people, of course, you all know Jordan Johnson, who I met in that transition. And he challenged me to be more than a coder, be more than what I thought I was. And so those are the people that I've attached myself to and like yourselves as well. When I got to meet you lovely ladies, it was just like, oh, there's more people just like me who want more. And they want, they want more for the industry, but they want more for the patients. And I am a patient. We're all patients at one point in our life, right? So like for me, when I call an insurance company, I know what I'm talking about because I, I've been in the industry, but the average patient maybe doesn't know what their bill means, or they don't know what these things on their, on the, what the code is. And what does that mean? Why do I have to pay this? And sometimes they just pay it and they have no idea what they're paying for. Well, I'd also like to add on, Jennifer, you were saying you were like so good at what you were doing. I mean, you could do it with your eyes closed. And I think at a certain point, you're like, I'm really only giving 20%. And these people think I'm doing awesome here. And, you know, so then we start saying yes to everything just to be fulfilled. And it's not fulfilling. And we're like, okay, we got to keep going. But I think myself, Jennifer, you, Elizabeth, and anybody else out there, if you've got the skill sets and you figured out something and you're trying to feel fulfilled, it's like your obligation is to make sure that you're finding others out there and that you share this, like the speed to consult, the speed to start your own business or any of these initiatives, um, you know, like let's help each other out. We're all here for the same reason. Absolutely. And, you know, believe it or not, I mean, doctors, for the most part, that are practicing ethical medicine, those providers, they want the same thing. Uh, for the most part, that's why they went into medicine. Um, it's a it's a career that makes them feel fulfilled most of the time. Um, but they are having burdens or challenges for them as well. So let's kind of jump in now. We, we know there's challenges. But what was the reason behind, obviously, we talked about some of it. When did this Healthcare Advocate Summit, how did this come about? Um, so the healthcare advocate summit, and I, I tagged in a little bit later, right? There was a group of individuals, one namely specific, um, who really kicked this off, right? We got fed up with not being able to get what we need, not have that tribe or that community or, you know, whatever you want to call that group, your network. And so really it was, it was started out of pure frustration, um, with the intent of a positive solution, and so if, if you go into something assuming positive intent, right, that's, that's the brightest way to look at something. So how can we bring together all of these different individuals, key stakeholders, if we want to go with buzzwords here, uh, in medication access and in healthcare, put them all in the same room and say, hey, let's do something. Let's make it better. Let's air out the dirty laundry. You tell me from your side, I'll tell you from my side, and let's forge a path forward. And so, you know, back to that COVID thing, delayed it a little bit. And we finally got to have our first in-person event, super committed to doing it live. There's such a value in giving feedback where you can read body language and talk to people and have honest conversations that we didn't want to take away from. So brought the advocates, brought the key stakeholders together um, and, and did it. And yeah, I think being able to, to realize that your frustrations are heard. Um, there are ways forward. There are, you know, these companies are, are willing to accept feedback 
And so I think that was just, yeah, that was the dynamic. And I'll add on, I think understanding and feeling relieved that I found the stakeholders out there with the manufacturer companies, um, you know, they're called field reimbursement slash heroes. Uh, and I have all of their telephone numbers saved and um, even those at the specialty pharmacies and just knowing like I had like a back way in um, to a lot of these companies to help out with access challenges that, you know, it shouldn't be just me having those contacts. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And I see sometimes a lot of these companies give a lot more attention to the health systems because of script count versus, you know, the private practice side is what I've learned. Um, but with this event, for me, I mean, I worked at the health system, I was covering every therapeutic area, like, what group do I belong in? Do I belong in the oncology groups? Do I belong in the neurology? Do I belong in all these other ones? And it's like, guys, I would, I would go to these meetings and like, a prior auth challenge and appeal is the same thing. It doesn't matter what therapeutic area. And some are just a little bit more specialized. Some disease states get a lot more support based on, um, you know, quality of life and these things. But for me, I treated everything like oncology. I don't care if it was an inhaler. It's impacting a patient's ability to have the best quality of life they can. And so like with this conference, it's really in between that physician and the patient and, you know, going with buzzwords, we found like 20 different roles that are at the facilities doing this work. And sometimes it's the same person who's on the phones with the payer, who's trying to load up the copay cards or get those done, making sure the patient has transportation. And so like there really was never an area that not the misfit toy island or whatever you call it, but you know, what? where's your home? And so this is an area like anybody's welcomed. We all can learn from each other. I can learn more. Elizabeth can definitely learn more. She won't tell you that, but um, you know, just have a place and have everybody welcomed. And if you saw the connections that were made, it was like e-harmony on steroids, people checking in and be like, hey, do you want to go to lunch? Do you wait on hold with, you know, certain payers? It's like, it was amazing. It was great. And just the feeling of that event. And there was only one chance for us to pull off that event, like a first live event. And so we're open to any ideas, the education, the topics, just getting people on board. And there really was never a conference for field reimbursement to come. And we're putting them up on pedestals saying, like, teach us, like, tell us how to partner. And so it's been great. There have been challenges too, right? Because these aren't the prescribers, but they're really the heroes that are pulling through those prescriptions and those treatments. It's true. There's just so many roles in healthcare that from, from the patient to the provider in between, those are the people that are the heroes. Like, I mean, doctors are heroes too. Physicians are heroes, but, but they're the ones making it happen too in behind the scenes, right? They're the ones that kind of move the cog from the patient. Um, they move the cog from the patient over into um, what they need, right? Um, and so we know the industry needs an event like this. And so I'm excited that to tell everyone that I get to present at this conference and I'm really excited. And this is something that, you know, I'm passionate about when it comes to medical necessity, you know, it's, you know, prior authorizations, like, you know, the headaches that come with like, you want to get this covered. You want the patient to have this, but it's like, oh, well, it's not medically necessary according to the payer. And so that's where I come in. I'm like, hey guys, this should be a priority. 
Um, our physicians need to know what is medically necessary by the payer while we're in this system of things where we have to work together. Um, and I'm sure you've seen like the push out there for direct care, bypassing the insurance company, which is a thing, but it can't be the thing in every single situation. There are going to be times where you need insurance. So we got to work together here, guys. <laughs> we have to figure out a plan, which yeah. is why I love this conference. Yeah. And so as the, so I oversee the education component for the conference and um, I'm also, I have my CPC and let me tell you, I could not get up there and give that same talk you're giving. Um, I can tell you medical necessity is important. That's about where, about, about the extent of my, my uh, CPC knowledge there. But uh, no, I, as, as the education director, I'm, it was really hard to program this, this conference this year from a what do I want to attend standpoint? Because we got so many great proposals. And so I'm selfishly trying to like schedule like, okay, for each hour of the day, which talk do I want to go to so that I can space it out? But it, I mean, it was impossible. So um, luckily the, the talks, you know, we'll be able to record and go back later, but it was one of those things like, I, I don't know which to choose. And it was kind of a choose your own adventure is the way we're setting it up. So if you work in a hospital and you want to learn about private practice, there's an opportunity to kind of segue over to there. Um, if you want to learn more about pharmaceutical or technology solutions, there's a way to go that way. So yeah, I'm, I'm torn and we haven't even pushed the agenda all the way out and I'm really torn. Melissa, are you crying a little bit too? Cause I've shared. I, you. No, I'm just overwhelmed with like the response of people wanting to provide education, right? Like we have the idea of like, okay, this is what we think the conference should be, but um, there's so much more out there and there's so many stakeholders and we found this new group of like, even the private patient advocates that, you know, are out there and helping patients, but they're on the other side and, you know, they need to understand who that internal patient advocate is. And some of the challenges that I've heard, I'm thinking, yeah, well, that was a billing mistake. Like I can just hear it in my head of what wasn't checked on, you know, the CMS 1500 and why that's why they're dealing with it. But, you know, for them to like navigate, especially health systems in a lot of these practices, but I will say every year, this is only the second year, but we plan for a three-day event and I wish we could have a four or five-day event because the first day, the education is what everybody said they wanted more of. And so I'm happy to report that somehow Liz managed to get people to want to come and present, but we've got over 40 hours worth of education across like eight tracks. And, you know, so you've got billing and coding, you've got um, advocacy, you've got, uh, you know, I'll say compliance. Um, so it's really truly choose your own adventure. And I know people are going to come and probably get upset at us that there are competing talks that they'll want to be in both of them, but happy to report, we are going to have everything hybrid recorded. They can see later. So just go to the one that excites you the most that you want to participate in, because we will have this available after. And, you know, there's going to be something about live. I hope people come in person, you know, but if you're not able to, there is an opportunity to still kind of see this uh, remote and hybrid as well. So we're supporting those initiatives, but yeah, 40 hours the first day. And then we've got a full day the next day with just that main stage exhibit breakouts and then um, half day on Friday. So get ready to learn something. I'm so pumped you guys. And that's the thing is like, I, I usually participate in a conference called HealthCon 
which is most is for like coders and billers and stuff. And I spoke the last two years. The first year was in Dallas. I was in person. And this last year was virtual. But at the same time, I felt the same way. I'm like, oh, like one of my good friends was doing a talk that I really wanted to hear. And I'm like, I was speaking at the same time. And I'm like, no, <laughs> but I was so glad that I was able to now that conference, they just released the audio. So I was like, hey, I get to watch all this stuff and look at all these presentations that I wanted to go to so badly. And so, yeah, that's a great benefit. And we do the same thing here, you know, at Encore Spark when we do our virtual conferences, you know, it's all virtual, but but we, we make it available all year because we know you're going to have questions. You're going to be like going back to your practice being like, I don't remember something. Let me go look that up. And you, I mean, you brought up HealthCon and you also brought up your conferences, but where I was lost as an advocate in a hospital is like, I didn't know what to attend, right? Yeah. I'm a licensed pharmacy tech. I'm not allowed in this one because I'm not a certain manager. I'm not allowed in this one because I'm not a nurse. You know, it's like, you know, where does like, I want to just help patients come into this. And so I I, I think it's also our job to help connect those dots. And if you're in a certain therapeutic area, if you're in, you know, like, let's start sharing the table. Like there's other conferences. And I found so much that, you know, I would get on these forums and they're like, Hey, don't promote any other conferences. I'm like, okay, you're not the only one. Like I'm not shaming what they're doing. They're doing great. And I think everybody's doing great, but we also need to let others know what else is out there. Not that they're going to, you know, not attend one versus the other, but I think there's benefits in knowing all the other communities out there and, you know, we all need to learn. So I think that's our job and obligation with this conference too, um, as well as the nonprofit that was started is like, let's invite everybody to the table and really capitalize on what we know and help others. So we're just, I just like a lot of friends, honestly. So <laughs> hey, me too. Yeah. We're extroverts, right? I think we're yeah. all extroverts for the most part. Pandemic's challenged it a little bit, but we're back. <laughs> hopefully. I'm excited just to be there. Ladies, it is my first time in New Orleans. It's gonna be my first time in New Orleans in my entire yeah. life. My husband got to go when he was a kid and like, he'd tell me about it. And then like, I'm like, man, I never even been to the state of Louisiana. And like, my goal is to like check off states off my list because I've been to a lot of them. I've been to like over 30 of them. And I'm like, I have to have another one off my list now. I'm excited and to be in New Orleans and, uh, and just have fun with, with all the people. So uh, the food and too, I like, I love conferences for the food. Oh my gosh. Food, wow. The music, the scenery. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very spoiled in that I have family in the New Orleans area and I grew up not far from New Orleans. So, uh, spent, spent some time in that area. So it, it's nice to kind of like go back to, it's not my stomping grounds, but something (laughs) I'm familiar with. Right. Um, Melissa and I did a site visit in January and we, we had a really good time. Um, it was more of a girl's weekend slash. We did a lot of work too, kind of thing. (laughs) You're in Charlotte, right? Area. Correct. Yeah, and I was so bummed when I was there last year, like my husband and I were driving down um, to Florida because I was going to a conference in Orlando and we decided like, let's go somewhere we haven't been before. So I was like, let's go to Charlotte. <laughs> I totally forgot you were, you were there. And then like, it didn't work out because you were, you weren't there at the time, but I mean, I got to get back there so we can, we can, you can show me around Charlotte for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, I think through this kind of conference life and, and healthcare life, I've always worked for like national organizations. So I do get to go to different states kind of like you do as well, but there's always like things in cities you don't get to discover. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where the road takes us with conferences and and other things. And, you know, maybe we'll just take this, take the show on the road. 
Absolutely. Let's do a, a world tour. No, kidding. Um, but you mentioned something, Melissa, about this nonprofit idea. And I wanted to talk about that piece of things because I know you guys do a lot with nonprofit. And that's something I want to focus on in the next few podcast episodes. We really want to talk to individuals who are involved in nonprofit um, because we're not all about the money. It's sometimes it's just about helping people and having that desire to do that. So tell me a little bit more about this nonprofit area that you're in. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll kick it off, but I'll let Liz kind of um, filter in because she has a different story of how this went. But for the nonprofit, I never thought myself of like, yeah, I'm going to give back one day, like, you know, nonprofit, like just the word nonprofit. And, you know, you either have to be really well off to be able to do a nonprofit in my mind, which it's a struggle every single day. Um, and you've got to be able to put your heart out there and do these things. And it kind of led into this nonprofit and understanding, like, how do we get support? What are the benefits right there? You see all these different organizations and you see different certificates um, and all these different things that you can get for alphabet soup. But I'm always interested in like, what is, what is that really going to get you, right? What are you going to learn? Or is it just another certificate? And I have um, no problem with certificates at all. And I, even with the nonprofit, you know, we're thinking like, we don't want to du- duplicate anything that's already out there. Like, what can we do to help? And I think we ended up taking the same stance that we have with this like healthcare advocate summit is it's not one therapeutic area, right? If you look at our logo, it's an infusion bag, it's an injection and it's a pill. And we really wanted to show that it, once again, this is like the education and the resources. So I think like the event, the event started, I actually wanted to have the nonprofit with it, but I couldn't find enough passionate people who wanted to work for free for so long. So I'm like, well, I'll do the conference um, first. And then we had this nonprofit piece of it that has just fit really nicely because I think we go to a lot of these events and there really is no community after. It's like, oh, peace out, Jen. I'll see you in 365 days, you know? And like, you lose this momentum. You lose this like wanting to give back and being a part of work streams. And so uh, the nonprofit was founded with a couple of members and, you know, I had the idea, others had the idea of laying out um, on this. And so it ended up being developed finally, actually in the midst of COVID, in the midst of COVID, when we shut down the conference and we had all this time, it's like, okay, let's help the healthcare workers who are losing their jobs right now to find remote work. And then let's, let's like speed up this nonprofit and um, it worked. So Elizabeth, I'll let you give the unfiltered version if you want. Ha. Yeah. So back in 2018, 2019, I had pitched an idea to my job that we should have a nonprofit that focused around healthcare workers in this space between providers and patients. And for me, that title was biologics coordinator. And so I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a community norm in rheumatology has it for their managers. Um, there's other disease states, a triple C and oncology right? They have that community aspect. And I was like, we don't, an allergy, we didn't have it. And then, so I made all these notes, did all this research and it kind of went by the wayside. Flash, flash forward to 2020, right? We've got an hour time in the morning, no one's commuting. So let's start a nonprofit. First of all, no one tells you how expensive they are to start. Lawyers cost a lot. Uh, registering, licensing, all of these pieces and parts. Don't regret it for a second. Um, But I do, the one thing that's been hard and I think is the biggest pivotal learning point for us is that we have a long way to go in healthcare advocacy, 
We've got great patient advocacy groups and patient advocates themselves, right? Disease state focused, so on and so forth. We've got a lot of attention for our physicians. You know, there's nurse groups, stuff like that. But for this kind of undefined and this, there's not a professional like designation. There's a million titles, right? But for this segment of people who go to sleep at night thinking about how many prior offs they have left, or, hey, this fund was closed and I have a patient with this disease state that needs this money, I, I, I'm going to watch it first thing tomorrow at 8 a.m. There's this group of people that eat, sleep, and breathe the passion for their patients, and they deserve professional recognition. They deserve education. And I, I want to be that person. And I want this group to be that. So I think we are taking, because if you say you're for the patients, right? Because that's what we're all for. Every email, every keystroke, pen stroke, whatever, there's a patient at the end of it. So it's recognizing this group of people. And then, you know, that's our patient advocacy. We're advocating from earlier in the process um, to help them out. So that's how NAMAPA or the, um, if you say it, NAMAPA, NAMAPA, we, we have a video somewhere of us all saying it incorrectly, um, but National Association of Medication Access and Patient Advocacy. That's where it started. And we're two years in, we've got great partnerships out there now. And yeah, we are a sustaining partner of the Healthcare Advocate Summit. Um, they're two separate entities, but certainly support uh, the in-person event. Fabulous, fabulous ladies. Well, I learned a lot about this upcoming summit. It's my, my first time attending and, you know, I've learned a lot about it since I've been at OncoSpark. But I'm so grateful for the opportunity to get to talk to you ladies today. And I look forward to meeting you uh, in the very near future in person. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait for the others. And I hope that, you know, there's a, a lot of groups out there. And, you know, it, I would just urge for people to network, to connect, to show up, because I can tell you me showing up at events or going to certain conferences and like, put yourself out there. There are others out there with the same challenges that good things will come of it. Like the different people that you meet. And, you know, I ended up meeting Elizabeth by her trying to speak at the original conference after a grueling one hour interview process. And, you know, it's, it, you, you never know what the next page is going to turn. And there's a lot of passionate people out there. I know there's a lot of people who have goals and I mean, at one point I just wanted to do a 5k to give back because I'm like, well, <laughs> I got to do something right. So, um, I think that with initiatives like these and the learnings and uh, Ozark Institute and just all these technology solutions, you know, there's, there's people out there who want to see you succeed. And, you know, these two organizations, these, the conference, as well as this, we, we do, we want everybody to succeed. We want to help you elevate either in your current position or help you understand where your skills are transferable to. Like, what else can you do with your license? What else can you do with your skill set? And I will be the first to say that I am I am pro getting a college degree, but I can tell you 999 ways you can still succeed, um, even for myself along the journey in that too. So we're here for you. We know at certain points it, it's not an option, and that's fine. Let's help you get to the highest level you can. And and we don't believe in excuses. There's always a way. I'm not running, <laughs> FYI. You can just do that one. Yeah, I, yeah, I did a 5K once and I walked it. Yeah, there you go. So, no, I'm glad no. out of that whole motivation, Liz just said she just doesn't want to run. 
So this is what she does. I give a really good speech and then it's all about her. She's not running. I love well, you ladies so much. I'm glad you invited us on your podcast so that we could all sit here and, and poke fun at each other because <laughs> at the end of the day, this is, this is how you get through it. This is, this is it right here. There are people. And I'm glad you mentioned all that because it's just so funny. I tell people all the time. I did not, I don't have a college education. I do not have one. And how successful I have become in my industry, in the healthcare industry, is just, it's just exciting sometimes to think about 20 years in and I'm where I am without a college education. And, uh, but I have education. It's just not on the collegiate level. (laughs) So it's just like, you can do a lot of stuff in your life. You can accomplish a lot with the drive that you, that you can have, that we've seen people have and, and you can do it without that, but I'm all for it. If you want to have one, go for it. Just get educated, stay educated, be a lifelong learner. That is a passion of mine as well. So thank you ladies for being on today. And uh, we will have, of course, information for our listeners in our show notes on how to contact these fabulous ladies. If you have questions about the summit, I uh, want to get involved. Uh, or of course, if you want to attend, we'll have the information in our show notes as well. So thank you ladies for coming on and we will see you in September. Thank you. Thanks for joining the Life as a Coder podcast. Please feel free to rate or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other healthcare professionals just like you. Join us next Wednesday for another episode. We'll catch you then. The team at OncoSpark offers a unique opportunity to grow your career in the business of medicine through their virtual specialty conference series. The reality of attending conferences in person is constantly changing. We give you the opportunity to learn virtually from industry leaders in top specialties, such as obstetrics and gynecology, pediatrics, cardiology, oncology, and orthopedics. We present timely industry topics to help you navigate regulatory guidelines, best practices in coding, billing, and practice management from the experts in the field. Whether you are interested in becoming the go-to expert in your field, provide additional knowledge for your education program, or you're ready to dive into other specialties, we have you covered. We hope to see you at our 2022 events.